1: Welcome to the AEW Dynamite preview. I'm Michael Sedgwick, joined by Andy Murray, to discuss everything that's in store for us on tonight's show. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, again, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We preview and review AEW Dynamite, Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0, premium live events, pay per views. We have wrestler interviews, roundtable discussions, and host a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Andy, I'm fired up for tonight. I wasn't particularly fired up last week. and we got a few uh, comments mm. about our lack of enthusiasm. I've got a take for you. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Because wrestling, right, doesn't take an off-season, and it's every single week, every single month, every single year, part of my body, irrespective of the quality of these shows, how good they were, how good you all think they're going to be, every now and then I think I just take a week off and stop giving a toss about certain wrestling shows if they're not going to take a week off I think I mentally check out yeah. a few weeks of the year irrespective of whether the shows are good or not last week's Dynamite got praised to the Hilt I think genuinely it was a record of four star plus matches on any given American yeah. TV show from Dave Meltzer and I genuinely would have went 7.5 out of 10 for the whole thing but I'm fired up for a night because there's certain developments that I think could be incredible and I think there's a dream match in the offing for you
2: yeah for sure um the past couple of weeks actually Tony Khan has gone hey hey Andy Murray's specific wrestling tastes have this and calibrated a couple of things so I'm excited to talk about that for sure but yeah I'm I'm totally with you um I I do this every December I I Take a month off from really caring, uh, unless something really big and popping's happening, like winter is coming or whatever. Um, you got to do it. You got to preserve your fandom, particularly when you're in the content production game, and you have to watch everything, and you have to invest in in all of this. But I take December off. It's a convenient month. It's usually a down month for New Japan with the World Tag League, but New Japan's is what it is at the moment. Um, when it right? It was very good for so. Um, We'll get to New Japan potentially later in this podcast, actually. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I'm re- I'm really excited for this show. It's another maybe not quite as much as the previous two weeks, but it's another week where they've just stacked the lineup with cool stuff and gone, Hey, this is like uh it's like a mini mini pay per view. It's kind of a cursed term, but let let's see if it delivers.
1: Absolutely. There's stuff on here that's very much like the high end of what you'd expect from a TV. Dynamite, a few sort of gems that are just absolutely for nerds, but in the best possible way. And um, one just genuine potential four and a half star match singles banger. That's just a qualifier for a tournament, but we'll get <laughs> into all of it right now. Um, headlined by a coffin match between Darby Allen and Andrade El Idlo. hopefully to tie a bow around this individual program and all of the rest of the stuff surrounding the Hardys and staying in the AFO and I'm sick of all of it. I suspect this is the very last beat in this sort of, as these most AEW stories tend to do be very sprawling. Um, but I've got high hopes for this match. I thought their main event on dynamite about a month ago was very much A very, 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 very good match. But at the low end, I think, of what these two men are capable of, they told the story of uh, Andrade sorry, El Idolo just basically beating Darby Allen up at his own pace to his heart's content, having taken control early. And it was a big story of the comeback. I expect this to be way more back and forth. They might even subvert it with Darby attacking Andrade from the jump. I want more of the energy here that we saw in the three-way on Rampage that also involves Sammy Guevara. I just think that's a better... Speed, a better structure that suits the strength of these two performers who, with respect, I don't personally have an emotional connection with Darby Allen There are reasons behind this. I can appreciate the hell out of his work in spite of that. Um, He's incredible at, he is a gifted storyteller, but I've seen the, the Miro match structure once already. I've seen it quite a few times with Darby. I really hope this is more back and forth more stunt-based, more head-drop-based, more doing ridiculous things with your reckless bodies based than the story match that we got last time. I think it would serve as a compliment yeah. to it. I don't need to see it again. I expect Derby to win because I think Andrade can exist comfortably in the space of an upper mid-card guy who probably isn't going to be an AEW world champion. I think there's definitely TNT title um aspirations for him down the line. But I just think Darby Arne's their guy. The one there he's more likely to get a, a singles outing on pay-per-view. With that in mind, I expect Darby to win. I hope this is a bit more dumb than the last match. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. This is like Perfectly, Taylor, set uh, set up to just be a, a, a Blitzkrieg spot fest, really, isn't it? Um, Obviously, with a degree of intensity and, and tangible hatred that would elevate it above just being... darby has got that in the spades. Yeah, 100%. He does it in every single match he has, uh, pretty much. Uh, we I think we actually did the preview for the last match as well, didn't we? Um. And we spoke about how these two are just perfectly calibrated to wrestle each other. Now that Andrade is is hossed up a little bit, he's just really beating the crap out of guys these days. And it's awesome. Even if it's illusionary and he's not actually starching people, it comes across like he is. Um, and, and Darby is obviously uh, an industry standard bumper and seller. So, yeah, should be loads of fun. I... I I wonder if in the first match they were maybe you know, working a bit more, a cursed word here, but methodically, yes. in order, knowing that maybe they had this later down the road and in the tank and with uh, AEW's booking approach doing lots of things long-term. It's very believable. Um, should be loads and loads of fun. I will say that my bar for matches involving, and I'm going to be a nerd here, uh, my bar for matches involving Coffins is very high at the moment. I watched Chris Brooks uh, do some wonderful stuff. Uh, with a coffin in a DDT Extreme match uh, a few months ago. So going to have to outdo Chris Brooks here, Andrade L Idolo. <laughs> got a great coffin match against Ethan
1: Page around about, well, yes. about July, I think, last year, it was shortly after crowds returned. So I've got very high expectations for this. As you said, I think they did the big sort of methodical story build match with the idea that they were going to save the biggest explosions for this. I have one concern before we move on. I remember distinctly when Andrade muscled up rapidly upon his AEW debut and his pace slowed, and then he sort of got used to his uh, new body a la Miro. Yes. It appeared ahead of the last Derby Andrade singles match that he'd added yet more poundage to his frame, and he seemed a little bit slower and less just ridiculously explosive and just violent with his body as he was in that three-way. So maybe he has to get used to this new new frame all over again, but I expect this to be ridiculous. I expect it to be violent, and I don't think they're going to lose sight of, as you said, the tone that Derby brings to his yeah. matches just because there's a lot of plunder to play with. So I expect this to be really, really good indeed. On the subject of things, that I expect to be really, really good indeed. This is basically what I love about the next match we are going to preview, which is CM Punk versus Dustin Rhodes, is that with the way that AEW's booking model works at present, is that like you want to get a guy like CM Punk on the show, there are a lot of uh, permutations in terms of the win-loss rankings framework and who can lose, how many losses they can withstand yet. You can't have too many people winning matches all the time. Otherwise, that'll do some suboptimal some things in terms of the way the, uh, the, the rankings look. But what happens is when you've got a guy and you know for a fact he's going to win, or oh, sorry, contend for a world title... Very eminently, he's the number one contender. You can just give away his matches because he can't stop winning because it won't impact the rankings. He's number one, or if he shouldn't, should be if he's not already there. He's going to remain number one until double or nothing. The guy wants to wrestle. The guy's back in love with wrestling. The guy's got his own sort of unwritten Cody Rhodes list of opponents that he wants to face. He's got the power. You can imagine that he's gone to Tony Khan and said, I want X guy, I want Y guy. I'd love to work Dax in a Brett match. Oh, I used to love WCW Saturday night back in the day. Can I work Dustin Rhodes? And he said, yeah, because you can win and win and win. doesn't affect the storylines. doesn't affect the, the mathematical complexity of the rankings. You can have the match you want. All of which is to state is that I desperately think CM Punk wants this particular match. I think Dustin Rhodes is going to be head over heels in love with the fact that he gets to do it as well. I'm expecting 12 beautiful rope running so much that they break the ropes WCW Saturday night bumpage. Yeah. And I'm bang up for it.
2: Yeah, I can't wait for this. This was one of those those matches I was referring to earlier where Tony went, "Hey, Andy, I read the column every week. Definitely. Uh have this. Um awesome. So awesome. Uh I don't want to don't want to hyperinflate my my opinion on Dustin Rhodes, but I think he's one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. Yes, he is. Um, yeah, like uh, even today, last year he had the really great match with Brian Danielson, the, kinda of got forgotten about because Danielson came in and in three months he just it was just banger 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 and you remember the hangman page and you remember the Eddie Kingston and and whatever else and you kinda of forget that he actually had this four and a quarter star match with Dustin Rhodes on TV. Um so Dustin doesn't do it a lot these days. He's very content to sit in the background and and when his time comes he'll he'll come onto TV like every six months and have this standout singles match. But when it happens and this guy's body by all accounts is like held together by pritt stick at the moment in chewing gum. Um, he is because he's so sharp mentally and because he's always been that sharp. You go back and watch like even his matches with Vader and stuff. And you can see little bits and pieces that he's doing from like the early nineties. Um, he's he going to find ways to work around it. He's up against another similarly minded person in uh, CM Punk. As you said, they're going to do their trivia stuff. Uh, it's going to be a great time across the board. I don't see a universe in which this isn't great. Um, I think when you take combine ring work with promos and character and whatever else, I think CM Punk is the wrestler of the year. Um, he has. You know, I I wasn't particularly keen on the Penta match last week, but it wasn't necessarily his fault. Um, I wasn't huge on the Max Caster match either, and I wouldn't say that was his fault either, but for the most part, he has done something meaningful with every single person he's faced and tried to tailor the match to them and what they bring to the table. He's going to do the exact same here. Uh, I cannot wait to see it, and Dustin is a great diehard loser. I say this so many times. When he faces a monster, you know he's going to die, but you don't care because he's so fired up, and you'll cut a great impassioned promo, and if he needs to bleed, he'll bleed, and his comebacks will be so perfect. Um, This is just going to be the art of pro wrestling.
1: I'm really looking forward to this. If I've got one uh, of apprehension here, and I know it's WWE, I know that they have a very rote, mechanical way in which they structure a match. At times in WWE, I got the impression that CM Punk, like, against larger opponents. And he worked a great TV match with, I believe it was Mark Henry. That yeah. was great against a monster. But in certain matches against Batista in like 2008, he wrestled as if like, probably you're not as big as him. And you yeah. don't kind of know that. So I do worry about him doing stuff to Dustin Rhodes that I might not buy necessarily. But at the same time, this is a different CM Punk. This is CM Punk who's basically entrusted to be the genius that he is. He's got carte blanche to work the kind of style of match. I hope that he emphasizes the striking in his Muay Thai stuff, which you haven't seen that much of realistically because he's loved his throwback stuff. Uh, But I think that is the way to work a believable match with a guy who every single time it takes you aback how big he is. But this is essentially... A free hit of a CM Punk match. He can win as many as he wants because he's the number one contender. This is the match. I suspect that he wants to wrestle. I expect a lot of really fun wrestling glory to happen. Um, Hook is making his <laughs> debut on Dynamite <laughs> tonight, and it's in Pittsburgh, I believe, for all yes. reasons that we'll get to. Evidently, Pittsburgh was always. And this is so funny how this is all uh, how this has happened. Pittsburgh was traditionally known as like a rubbish crowd to work in front of, very hard to please, just not particularly. Um, vibrant or loud or enthused or interested. The very first show they did in Pittsburgh, bearing in mind Britt Baker wasn't even over yet, molten, molten mm-hmm. heat throughout the night. It was a ridiculous. It was a Dave Meltzer-friendly episode because it was before they started to really do angles and promos on every show. So you had um, Private Party versus Lucha Brothers which is amazing, and you're a dork if you didn't like it. <laughs> it was the fourth ever show they did. That Janella versus Omega, Pack yes. versus Moxie, the main event. Um, Young Bucks versus Best Friends, two and four star match for the absolute sake of it. Um, so that was great. All of which is to state, again, this crowd, who when they get good wrestling in front of them, will go as crazy as any other crowd. It was the first Rampage was in Pittsburgh as well. Yeah, Yep. They are going to go absolutely crazy for Hook. His opponent has not yet been revealed. I don't think there was any hint of a mystery opponent or anything like that. I think it's just a a guy to beat. Yeah, yeah. That will presumably lead to an angle involving Dan Housen, probably. Or Tony Nice, perhaps. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, So I expect that to uh, uh, factor in, sorry, into the post-match. Do you think there's any kind of hint that he's going to be surprised by a more established challenger or is the three minutes of a greatest hook hits and then they do a pretext to an angle
2: exactly that yeah exactly that I think they have handled hook beyond perfectly um the slow burn is absolutely the way to do it um I think it's a bit too early for him to have a more competitive match I think they've they've done quite well to hold off on the Tony Nice thing yeah. a little bit as well because um Tony niece is A good wrestler with a track record, a a very high floor, Tony Nese, he's going to give you a good match pretty much every time. Very professional. Uh, And he's going to do that with hook eventually, but you don't want to have hook showing too much early in this run. You want to have these flashy bursts and, and avoids the centuries, not centuries, the decades old thing of, of burning out a young career and preventing it from getting started by overexposing them early. Braun breaker. Um, we're going to, I I. don't think it'll be anything more than like either the lowest ranked guy on the roster, whoever that is at the moment, um, or some local person uh, that they've brought in from the, whatever the, the Pittsburgh indie scene is like these days, Um, but it should be fun. Uh, the the hook stuff he shows just something cool and new every single time. My personal favorite is still the Serpentico match yeah. with, with the streamers <laughs> still in his hand. uh That was a lot of fun. It's just gonna be another tiny little step on the guy's star making process. With the niece match looming, we've got the Danhausen stuff looming as well. It's all lower card stuff, but he's extremely over. There's no express need to put him in ten minute matches yet, and they shouldn't because we don't know if he can even sell properly yet. We've no idea. Um, yeah this is good fun stuff and i'm looking forward to seeing him kill so it'll be like kind of like a coming out party on a grander stage won't it like i think most AEW fans will watch rampage most weeks anyway be on the layer or on youtube via clips or whatever so everyone's gonna know what hook's capable of but it'll be cool seeing him do it in front of a energized crowd on the a show absolutely because it's great it's really impressive how he can command these reactions in
1: front of the exhausted fans who watch rampage last in a long block so it have him in front of, as you said, the most energised crowd, or at least the crowd at their most energised at that point of the taping, should really be something I think it should be quite special as well Um, Dr. Britt Baker will also receive a louder if anything reaction because he's returning home to Britsburg in a match that This is the AEW problem at the minute, and it's becoming more and more pronounced. They are getting very cheeky with the way they boot this women's division. Yes, I'm really looking forward to Tony Stone versus Jamie Hayer. Yes, I actually believe that should open a dynamite as and when it happens. But they've found certain shortcuts or tricks with which to make the women's segments feel even less essential and even shorter. We had it with the Serena D. Brookie Challenge. We had it for a long time with Jade Cargill's wins because, again, it's a free hit. She was the champion or she was going to win the tournament. And now the free hit is Brit Baker getting a loud pop in Br- Britsburg. Why wouldn't you not do that? And she's working Danielle Camella, the former Vanessa Bourne, who ain't no Kendra Kabashi. So yeah. it's not going to go long. That's yeah. someone with TV experience who's well-versed in losing matches quickly and doing big animated cells of certain moves and, I don't know if there's going to be any angle development because um, Jamie Hare is preoccupied with um, Tony Storm at present. I don't know if they could do some kind of tease where Rebel not Reba, Reba not Rebel botches our interference mm. or something because it, this, this just feels like an excuse to get a women's segment over in a short amount of time as possible because this isn't going 10 minutes, is it? I hope not. Am I cynical to think that?
2: Well, uh, really, the ideal match of this is, like, three or four minutes. Rick comes out hot, works the home crowd. Uh, Camilla, the surname. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I think so, yeah. Yeah. She gets cut off. Works like I've already little. kept on that
1: indie stuff, so maybe it's Camila. I don't know. Yeah,
2: I've not I've not seen her actually since she left WWE when oh. she was Vanessa born. But if she can work like a, a short, convincing heat segment for like thirty seconds before she's put away, I think that's the ideal layout here. I don't think it needs the standard thing of of coming in the final third of the show and the bell ringing and they wrestle for two minutes and then we go through a picture in picture and we have three minutes of nothing before we come back and have some more. Um, My worry is that they will go a little bit too long with this. And, Luke, the the women's division does not get enough time on screen. I agree. Um, But this is not the match you would do that with. There's no argument for this going, like, longer than, uh, at most, an extended squash length of time. So hopefully it's short. Hopefully it's effective. They've been doing... um, the Britsburg stuff with Brits day one, haven't they? Yeah. Like on that Pittsburgh show you mentioned, even when she was the baby, well, of course, when she was the baby face, they played it up. Uh, and that was the first time she truly felt like a, like a major star because it was her hometown crowd. And they were going, hey, look at this, we got it this. Just feels like a cheat code to get an over women's
1: segment on the show. Yeah. I can't possibly get in the way of being so short of everything else, More the more important things. So it's just getting really kind of irritating at this point. Do
2: you think this could be Maybe a catalyst for the face turn, perhaps, being in her hometown going against someone who has traditionally played a heel on television. Yeah. Maybe, possibly. I mean, Jamie Hayter's away in the tournament as well. Uh they they've had more weeks away from each other than they've had together recently. Maybe they're maybe they're doing that. She
1: could cut a post match promo. Um, in which Baker says something to the effect of, I know why I lost the title to Brett Baker. It's because I'd relied on shortcuts too often. And this was a pattern throughout my title defenses. When I win that title, I'm going to do it on my own. As you said, hint towards a face turn. Hate and next week. And well, go, that was news to me, what you said last week. Something meaningful rather than, again, a cheat code to an over women segment because they feel like they need a cheat code to get it out of the way because they feel like it's an obligation or to make it more over by getting Britt Baker in Pittsburgh involved. There's no cheat code more effective than long-term bold booking, but that's another conversation for another day. And before we move on, I made a crack there about how I haven't watched Vanessa Bones work on the indies because, realistically, she wasn't good enough work. I would to actually seek out what she was doing. She's had two matches since 2020.
2: Okay, fair
1: play. So according, to, this is according to Cage Match, um, which is, you know, it's not completely comprehensive. It's more accurate than not. Um, she last beat Ray Chanel on Dark, um, 15th of April. Before that, she was fed to Marina Shafir as part of her push yeah, yeah. on February 5th. Before that, she last worked a match, according to Cage Match, on the 31st of January, pre-pandemic 2020, episode of NXT.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage.
2: And the site is live.
0: That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage.
2: This one's going to Thailand.
0: And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? <laughs> rocketmoney.com slash
2: wrestling. Not done a lot of wrestling over the past couple of years. So why did she get the spot? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, the way they've done the qualifiers on the women's side has been star versus flying or whatever. Um, Julia Hart being the exception. but
1: It goes back to my core problem with the women's division. I know this is a diversion. I won't keep it very long. Tony Khan books the women's division like he books the men's division, and it doesn't work because the... the there's loads of great, 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 great prospects. Moriarty, Garcia, Utah. And I know they're now, well, at least Utah and uh, Garcia are now properly involved in AEW storylines. But for a while, they were ringers who could give you a great TV match, but they were so early on in their development that they had a baked-in storyline development, uh, storyline justification for losing matches. They are young prospects who are still playing there and still learning their trade. There are not enough... Because the institutional misogyny of professional wrestling on the whole throughout all its existence in North America beyond the last five years almost, there isn't the same crop of talent. Now, Tony Khan books it like they are. So you get matches like this. You get cheat codes like this. You need to do, start doing all-star matches. Yeah. Do big. Uh, the NXT Prime slash New Japan approach where Tony Khan doesn't want to beat wrestlers anywhere near as much as Triple H and Ghetto did back then. You need to start doing it with the women yeah. because... There simply isn't the depth there. There simply aren't the ringers there to do the men's booking approach. All of this is incidental. I'd really like to get an article done about this, so I'm going to pitch something about this very soon. But another thing to preview here is another Andy Murray offer match involving Wardlow and The Butcher. We were talking about how genius this all was next week. It will never grow old, but everything grows old. The Wardlow kills everyone in security. You don't want to take the chance of taking the piss and doing it two more weeks longer than necessary. So what they've done is they've worked a perfect Sean Dean. It was very deft, all of this, with the, the Sean Dean um, plot device, if you like, the Wardlow killing all the security guards. When they gang up on him, it creates a countout situation that folds into the Sean Dean thing, which, of course, is going to piss MJF off because he sees Sean Dean as completely below him, that pisses him off enough to arrive at this match. The booking of the Wardlow thing before, during, and after Revolution has been an absolute masterpiece. So it makes sense that this match is happening. The opponent's great because the Butcher getting power bombed will feel like an incredulous, oh, how is he going to get him up? Yeah. I hope this is
2: not flabby at all. I don't expect it to no, be. No, no. I think this is going to be great. Yeah, this should rule. This should be a lot of fun. Um... The Wardlow thing is hotter than the center of th- the sun <laughs> at the moment. It it it's absurd, um, and it's, it's again, it's so simple, isn't it? it? It's literally Goldberg stuff, and he's getting the Wardlow chant now as well, so people recognise it. He's so over. He's coming across so convincing in this rampaging bull role. MJF is doing a tremendous job on the other side of the coin, selling panic, always looking over his shoulder, just petrified by what might happen to him. You come on the show and they've got the posters there already every single week, even little things like just the the little line about feeding the piggy to the butcher, it just... Touches like that make all the difference. I love it.
1: Like, I think on the piggy thing, I didn't see the butcher, but that's awesome because he's used them as mercenaries before. Yeah. At one point, they are going to bust Wardlow open hard yeah. and he's going to bleed like a stuck pig. Like, the, I love the little details as you say that little they into these things. It's just gorgeous. Yeah,
2: like, yeah, like uh, MGF. MGF is like top one, the most complete workers in the world. He's a student of pro wrestling. Uh, when you hear him talk about his influences, they always go way back, and they're really diverse and stuff, and just obviously... And the Miz. That's why the Miz comparisons are what they are, isn't it? They're so absurd. Um, but yes, the, the match itself... Um, it's, yeah, I mean, if, if Fortune Dream was booked by Andy Murray rather than Kenta Kabashi, who we've now referenced twice on this podcast, and you're wearing an orange shirt as well. Orange Dave. crush. Uh, there we go. Um, the, yeah, I mean, come on, man, come on. Two massive, gigantic, beefy men.
1: I think they're going to have so much fun with this as opposed yeah. to doing a kind of a laborious plodding paste. Yeah. I think they realize the value that these characters each have they're going to do the whole like run up to each other and don't budge. Yeah. I can't see this being flabby or boring at any point. I think this is going to be yeah. as fun as you think it's going to
2: be. I think it's going to be about eight minutes as well. And it's going to be all grunts and jumping into each other and shoulder barges and big bros and all this stuff. And like I'll earnestly put over the butcher and Wardlow until the cows come home. But like butcher's recent work has been really impressive and He's transformed himself physically. He's uh, he's always messing with his look in AEW. Uh, and even on the indies, the first time I saw him, he, he was completely bald. Like, he looked nothing like he does now. Uh, he had the monocle and stuff early on. The, him and Blade had the coats and all of that stuff. He's always messing with his look, whether it's growing the hair out, whether it's messing with the facial hair, uh, whether it's wearing shades, a different jacket or whatever. Little, little bits and pieces that in the small... Picture week to week might not mean all that much, but they help keep him fresh and stuff. But recently, over the past few months, um, he's he's in tremendous shape. Um, he is projecting really well. They had that really fun promo on the that we shouted out in yeah, the office. Awesome! <laughs> that fun promo on a recent YouTube show. Uh, he had his own promo to set up the Derby match, harking back to the house always wins when the butcher injured his farm and stuff. He is doing some really good work at the moment. Now the tables match the other week, uh, was un- unfortunately a misfire. Uh, not a great match by all accounts, but I I'm pl- not, I don't blame the butcher and the blade. No, exactly. I'm, I'm not sitting here and going to point the finger at, at the butcher and the blade for their role in that. Um, he's been doing some really interesting, good work. Uh, it, it's really cool seeing a guy come into wrestling so late. He's in his forties, uh, and, and adapt to it. It's like DDP stuff, obviously on a slightly lesser scale yeah. because DDP became this headlining star and, and all of this. Um, but it's still really fun to see. Um, I'm just re- I'm really looking forward to seeing what him and Wardlow with their contrasting energies pull off together. Wardlow's got the Goldberg stuff. The butcher is really coming together as like a, a, a mid-level power heel guy. Derby match was so awesome. I think this could be a lot of fun as well. And, uh, Thank you for booking this specifically for me, Tony Khan. <laughs> it's, a, it's an incredible
1: prospect. I really hope it isn't flabby. I don't think it will be. And um, I expect greatness with the capital of goddamn G. Uh, last match to um, preview before we talk about what the obvious expectation of the huge announcement is. And that is an own hard cup qualifier between Kyle O'Reilly and Jungle Boy. Now, this is odd. All of it's odd. And yet, potentially, the ceiling for this, potentially, very, very high indeed. I wouldn't book either of these guys to lose a qualifier. First round upset,
2: absolutely. I'd have them both in the tournament, yeah. I'd have
1: both. So it's a bit odd that they've booked this. I would like to see Tony Khan, Tony Khan apply the ghetto principle to the own hard cup. Get a name in there purely so he can lose decisively in shocking fashion in the first round, out of the first night of the G1, climax at its peak because then you set the precedent of, oh, anyone could beat anyone, and um, normal circumstances go out the window. There's a, a sort of distinct competitive spirit to this particular tournament that everyone's going to be completely up for. That's why established great wrestlers can just lose. I love all that. I would like this to happen in the first round rather than the qualifier. I just think either one of these guys, considering that they're going to be big parts of AEW in the long and medium term future, losing a qualifier so they can't even get in the tournament does that do less for them than it does more for the tournament? I don't know, but I think Jungle Boy goes a long way, if not wins it outright, the uh, the tournament itself, because a babyface has to win the own heart. Sure. It just yeah. absolutely has to happen, and I think the odds in that direction mean that if anyone's going to lose this qualifier, it's a heel. That guy's going to be Kyle O'Reilly. You're looking for an outstanding Kyle O'Reilly match, yeah. aren't you? Because I think yep. a three-way involving the Bucks. Impossible to though Kyle O'Reilly was magnificent individually in that yeah. match, it's certainly the best he's been so far. And I think that a lot of people need to be reminded of who he is. And I think he actually yeah. needs to remind a lot of people who he is he's a perfect guy to just beat up with a sleeve, bony frame. Those kicks should look horrific, like with Jungle Boy absorbing them. Anything less than a face melter of a little compact TV uh, 12 minute banger. And people should start asking questions about whether Kyle O'Reilly's actually thrashed.
2: Yeah, I... Thrashed I, is harsh. Yeah, I know, but, like, maybe not locked in. Maybe not, maybe not dialed in. Um, Which I think has been the case for, unfortunately, for his AEW run so far. Obviously, the exception, the pay-per-view match, like you say. Um But Red Dragon, since coming together, haven't been all that great. Um, I know... Big Dave really enjoyed the tag team title match the other week and threw four or whatever at it. Four and a half. Yeah. Four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah. I went three. <laughs> I went three and a half. Though. Yeah. So like, I know he's a bit more enthusiastic that, about it than we were, but it's, it's kind of weird because Bobby Fish was performing extremely well, um, before Kyle came in and Red Dragon have, have been kind of fine character wise uh the goofier stuff is not really to my taste but i can let it slide if it gets over um but match wise i don't think they've really lived up to their billing as one of the best tag teams in the world Uh, admittedly they've not had a great deal of two-on-two tag matches at all but that'll come um so yeah i need kyle o'reilly to remind us that he is absolutely fantastic at this i want him to blow the doors off um Jungle Boy, he's a guy. Jungle Boy's a great guy for him to rough up. Yeah, as I well, want to beat the piss out of Jungle yeah, Boy. Yeah, and like, it, and Jungle Boy can take it. We know that. Um, they positioned Jungle Boy as the clear star of that tag title freeway at the pay per view, and he uh, was sensational because of it. Part of that involved getting his ass kicked for a long period. So, yeah, really need Kyle, Kyle O'Reilly to show out here. I love him. I think he's awesome. I really liked him and Fish together. Since Ring of Honor when they were doing the kind of hipster act um, with their little vignettes and stuff stuff, and it was they kind of married that act with like the vicious more grounded ring style. It was surprisingly a very complimentary pro wrestling thing altogether. Um, need to see a big, big performance from Kyle and I hope we get it. Um, Maybe he's just adjusting to the speed. You know, he took some time off when, when his partner gave birth. And in, in in his dying NXT days, he was cool cattle. And he was trying to work with a lump of wood in Von Wagner. Um, so it's not like, you know, he's been banging out at a high level yeah. even before this situation. But yeah, do let's let's, let's see him show out.
1: Do you think this match exists for that exact purpose then? And I hope they're, so. They're happy to just give him a singles loss if so he's going to be a tag team guy. Maybe this is an, an exercise, the ambition of which is to rejuvenate Kyle O'Reilly. Oops. So That's everything on the prospective match car, but one thing that is in addition to it, so we're going to get a huge announcement from Tony Khan,
2: and I feel like the news has already been spoiled, but we <laughs> spoil this, it's awesome. Shout-outs to the Super J cast Yes, for breaking this. A lot of... Uh... They're unfortunately missing out on a lot of credit for this for this story. Um, I've seen some other outlets getting attributed for it, which is weird because the Super J Cast had it first. So shout out to those guys.
1: Shout out to Super J Cast who broke the news via a graphic of the New Japan logo on the Chicago skyline. (laughs) Is that we are potentially looking at an AEW versus New Japan Pro Wrestling Super Show happening um, at some point
2: this year. Twenty third of June was their date, I believe. interesting to see how it plays out but they've got excellent sources yeah i cannot wait for this if in fact it is meant to be the announcement
1: and if it's a different announcement tonight this is, should still be on the table given like the very reputable guys at the podcast have said all but said more intimated but yeah, yeah said that's happening um we've already on the news video um given two of our favorite dream matches that we would love to see on the show and um, two of mine were mjf versus hiroshi tanahashi just perfect Sympathetic baby face, God versus little dickhead youngster yeah, heel. Yeah. You've got so many layers between the, the actual characters, the ages at which the characters are at, the wrestling styles being complementary. I think that would be perfect for pure explosions and state-of-the-art modern athleticism. I'd love to see Shingo Takagi versus Hangman Adam Page. Um, I'll quote you in a second. I think second... Match of the show. After your opening bangers, should be Orange Cassidy versus Toriano. In oh. fact, Orange Cassidy <laughs> is um, fit in time. One more, just because I'm greedy and to make it a little bit different from the news. Um, there's just so many. It's a shame that Kenny Omega probably won't be ready in time. Or maybe yeah. this could be the site of his comeback. Obviously, I'd love to see Kenny mix it up with those guys again. Um, off the top of my head, Danielson O'Cardock, so it would just be the best thing of all time.
2: Yeah. 100%. Um, I really hope this is the announcement. there um, been a lot of discourse over the past. Shockingly, there's been a lot of discourse that's been very unfair and very extreme, very hysterical. Not in our online era, I know, I know, but believe me, it's happened over. Tony Khan and big announcements, and does he make too many of them? Does he uh, Does he overcook? Does he oversell what he's going to deliver? My response to that, I don't care, as long as I'm getting cool stuff. Yeah. Um, how can we possibly complain about having more things that are good? I don't understand this argument that he does too many of them. Uh, maybe if he was building these things up and going, I've got a huge announcement. We've, <laughs> we've signed Midian, right? It, yeah. If it's stuff like that, I can understand it. But why Why on earth in this era of wrestling are we getting so upset that so much cool stuff is happening? Uh. It's like when people complain that too much stuff happens on an AEW show. That is understandable from the standpoint of maybe... They cut away thing, from things too early. But most people are just arguing that there's too many things happening. What? <laughs> we 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 don't like having a fluid, fast-moving show in which multiple characters are... Can you delighted? remember,
1: there's been so many worst... There's a list in this, by the way. Oh. The stupidest AEW controversies or discourses or whatever. Can you remember when people started counting how many people appear on an episode of Dynamite? Oh, I know. As if Game of Thrones wasn't the most popular runaway success of the last decade of television. Yeah, yeah oh, There's man. 83 guys on this show. That's too many. Yeah, I think the correct number
2: is 60. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've narrowed it down to a science by studying uh, 20 years of wrestling television. Yes. And I have found that the best episodes only feature 60. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of nonsense, if you ask me to be perfectly honest. And like when, when he makes these announcements, like when he announced the Ring of Honor purchase, right? A lot of arguments. Oh, it's not big enough. It's 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 not gonna change the game or whatever. That's usually coming from people who don't watch the show. Because if you if you do watch the show. And you understand Ring of Honor's place in wrestling folklore, and you maybe you watched it back in the day in the in the mid two thousands when it was the best pro wrestling product in the world, um, bar none. It's just it's really cool to you. It's huge to you. Not every announcement needs to chase change the face of wrestling. Yeah. Huge is an individual choice. It might not completely break the scale of what we know about the sport, but if it's going to give you something really, really cool, who cares? Uh, and it, like such a show would be really, really cool. Uh, my match that I booked, and again, it's entirely selfish. I'm not saying they should book it, but if they did, I think it would be really cool, is that Tomohiro Ishii is my favorite wrestler of all time. He's the one of the best sellers of all time, one of the best bumpers of all time. One of the best at pulling you into the babyface struggle and the comeback with his wonderful one count kickups and fire up spots in the corner. And when you hit him in the head with your forearm and he looks at you like you're a complete piece of trash and you know you're screwed. It's immortal stuff. Um, he's slowing down his in his career. He can't do as many of these big time matches as he used to. But he's great against monsters. Who's the monster you want to elevate the most in, in AEW at the moment? It's Powerhouse Hobbs. I think that would be tremendous. I would Powerhouse Hobbs is such an expression expressionful what's expressive that's the word a guy in his performances he's got great facials himself i would love to see him going oh god when he she does one of his fire up spots and he's a great guy for for hobbs to beat as well um but yeah i i think it's going to be this show uh i cannot wait for it we're all in a bit of a New Japan malaise these days. I think with the you know the diminished roster earlier in the pandemic, the travel bans, the setting, clap crowds, clap crowds. Yeah, it just it's not the same as what it was. Maybe it will be once the world opens back up. I have faith in it being so. It sounds like they're making some pretty exciting roster additions. Uh, Chris Dickinson being one. I love Chris Dickinson so much. Um, but as an aside, the Windy City Riot Show in, in Chicago last week. Bunch of multi-man matches, whatever, but the big singles matches were tremendous. I was Shooter Grace, he's really good. Yes. Really good. It was maybe not radiating the level of charisma that he perhaps was pre-pandemic, but he's certainly out of the muck when he came back and, you know, I'm going to get flagged for saying this, but he was a little bit out of shape and the physical charisma wasn't there coming out of the pandemic. Look, I put on 30 pounds in the pandemic. I understand. Um, he's kind of gotten through that a little bit more really good baby face stuff beneath jay white uh looking forward to seeing him and his dad back together but that was a good match uh ishii versus suzuki oh my god it was like being reacquainted with an old friend not only because big tom doesn't perform at that level as often these days he's old he works a hard-hitting style it's understandable um But because we haven't had that kind of match in front of an actual crowd that's allowed to express themselves in so long, it was just like, oh, brother, I've missed this so much. It's my match of the year so far for that reason. It was fantastic. I've not watched, admittedly, Moxley uh, Osprey yet, but I've heard great things. Um, With that excitement coming out of that show and going into the next show, they've booked my dream match. They've booked Eddie Kingston versus Big Tom. We're getting Moxley versus Tanahashi in DC. We're getting Brody King versus... Minoru Suzuki, how weird and interesting is that? There's a bit of buzz coming back to New Japan at the moment. So the timing of the announcement is very interesting. Chicago's a great wrestling city. It's one of AEW's home bases. I think that will resonate really weirdly. Weirdly? Strongly. Uh, should we even consider the annunce- announcement's going to be someone else? Because like something like a, a Ring of Honor distribution deal doesn't feel like the kind of thing they would announce here. That feels like a press, press release. release yeah, type job.
1: Johnny Gargano's still gonna show up there one day. he could be mm. very much a prospective winner of the um the of the Own Heart Cup. The last time they 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 used the huge announcement verbiage for both the ROH deal and the signing of Keith Lee, so it could be a signing. It could be. Gargano. Cesaro, maybe? Potentially. Claudio. Cesaro getting signed. Gargano getting signed. They feel like the last two big ones who yeah. are probably there sooner or later. Or the New Japan AEW Super Show. Which, by the way, I've got one more match to add. Darby Allen versus Harumu Takahashi. Ah! <laughs> just absolutely <laughs> stupidly great in every single version of both this of those words.
2: Probably a really great combination of United Empire and Blackpool Combat Club. Yes, absolutely. Well. So many exciting possibilities.
1: It's Carbon Moxley. have got Previous doing great stuff. They do indeed, baby. Anyway, um, what are your favorite uh, New Japan XAEW dream matchups that you might actually get to see? in June of this year. Let us know under the Twitter link to this podcast at what Culture WWE. Whilst you're there, you can follow Andy Murray at...
2: At Andy H. Murray, the H stands for Herman Hryderson, who is a much better suited to my footballing abilities than Haristo Stojkov.
1: You can follow me at M. Um, Sidgwick. Um, earlier today, we recorded our... A, uh, NXT sorry 2.0 review, you can catch that. Uh, you can catch the review of Dynamite tomorrow on your feeds. So subscribe and stick around for them. And until then, thanks for joining us today. And we will see you soon.